It's the Brian Lehrer TV Club. We are watching the final season of Parks and Recreation together for the fun of it and because it's the wonkiest, nerdiest, public policy-loving sitcom with Amy Poehler you'd ever want to see. We've been talking about the show itself and some of the real-world issues it chooses to satirize. This was the second-to-last week of Parks and Rec. The finale will be next Tuesday. And they started wrapping up all the characters' storylines. Here is Amy Poehler's Leslie announcing the new gig that will have her spending a lot more time away from her Indiana home in Washington. Hey, hey guys, listen, uh, Leslie's going to walk in and say something that sounds very boring but is actually a really big deal, so when I give this signal, just everybody cheer like crazy. Here we go. Well, someone just officially enrolled in the Senior Executive Service Development Candidate Program at the Department of the Interior. Hooray! Surprise! Thanks, it's a big deal, so... My promotion is official. We need to find a place in D.C. because we're going to be splitting our time. So let's bring back Linda Holmes, who writes and talks about television for NPR's Monkey See pop culture blog. Find it at NPR Monkey See or npr.org slash blogs slash Monkey See. She's been joining us every week in the TV club and also joining us this week on the issue of uprooting your life, your family, and moving cities for the sake of your work. Adrian Granzella Larson, editor-in-chief of The Muse, the career building and figuring out what you should do with your life site. Hi, Linda and Adrian. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Linda, it was um, a, a really... I, I don't know. They really almost dro- – it was a goodbye episode this week. They really dropped almost all political satire to wrap up storylines like Tom and Judy getting engaged and Andy and April sealing their own move to D.C. Pretty sentimental wind down compared to, say, Stephen Colbert, would you say? Yeah, this has always been a deeply, deeply personal show, and it's been about the way that good public policy relies on good people making good choices. And so I think what you're seeing here in the wind down of the show is, you know, a a return to what they really care about, which is always going to be um, these people and their their very, very good hearts. Adrian, this mild tension on the show, and it's mild, but over these two couples, Leslie and Ben and April and Andy – getting ready to move fuller part-time to D.C. for one of their careers. Here's a one-minute scene where April, the one with the D.C. gig, gets all sad watching her husband Andy do his final children's TV show in Pawnee, Indiana, a show he's leaving to follow her. Every week, the show is an amazing train wreck, and you love doing it, and you're the best host, like even better than my all-time favorite host, Tom Snyder, which is crazy. And all those kids love you, and you're doing what you're meant to do. And I can't be the person that makes you lose what you love. But you're what I love. You're the only reason I have any of this. You believed in me, and you supported me, and you make me happy. Happier than I ever thought I could be. Without you, I wouldn't be anything. You're what keeps me going. You're my Verizon Chipotle Exxon. As long as I'm with you, I'm going to be happy. So we go to Washington, D.C. And then we figure out the next cool and awesome thing from there. Okay? Okay. That was a very good being nice to someone. I did it. Now I can go finish the show. 
You're my Verizon Chipotle Exxon. So, listeners, have you ever been in this position? Are you in it right now and need some advice? Were you in a couple or are you where one of you gets a great job in another city but the other one might have to leave a great job where you are or where you were? Have you resolved it or are you fighting over it right now? 212-433-WNYC, 9-2. And um, Adrian, very sweet scene, especially for the goth nihilistic April, who usually doesn't like anything, especially being cheerful or nice to people. But how do you advise couples on how to decide whether to move cities for the career of only one of them? Yeah, this is uh, this is a topic that's actually very close to my heart. I have moved across the country once or twice for my husband, and he has done it once for me. Mm. So... Very interesting and definitely a lot of factors. What does he do? He's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But he worked in government. So he was in D.C. before we moved to California, before we moved to New York. So I think a couple of things that I tell people, given my own experience and sort of the, the career expertise that I work with at The Muse, one is to take a really long view. So I think Andy said it really well in that scene. He said, you know, we'll go to D.C. and then we'll figure out that next cool, awesome thing. They're looking at this move sort of not as just this one situation, but as how is this going to look for you, for me, for both of us sort of over the long haul? And Linda Holmes, I saw your your nice piece from a few weeks ago on Monkey See that said, despite the great character marriages that the show has given us, the greatest love story friendship was between liberal Leslie and her libertarian boss at the Parks Department, uh, played by Ron Offerman. Want to talk about what you've appreciated there? Because they'll be separated, too. Yeah, you know, this show for me is about um, – it is about policy sometimes, but it's also about – different kinds of love and different kinds of love stories. And I think for, I think Leslie and Ron have been the the expression of the show's central idea, which is the ability of people who have different opinions and different worldviews to love each other. And um, it's, it's what I find radical about Parks and Rec is how optimistic it is, which is not necessarily uh, hip in comedy right now on television. Um, and I think the Leslie and Ron friendship is a very optimistic view of what can happen if you find ways to draw distinctions between differences of opinion and differences in belief and, you know, hating and antagonizing other people. It's a it's a it's a it's its own kind of, of fantasy story in a way, but but very optimistic and warm and I and I think it's un I think it's unlike anything else on TV. I think I said Ron Offerman, and we go, obviously, Ron Swanson is a character. I do name. that all the time. Yeah, because he's time. so Ron to me. Nick, <laughs> Nick Offerman is the actor. Um, yeah, and in this season of the show, Linda, they became enemies for a while when he went into private sector contracting and was competing for land that Leslie wanted for a national park, but they found their way back to each other. And it's... Sweet and relational, person to person. But I guess, as you say, it's sometimes about policy. And this isn't policy exactly, but it's not just personal either. I think it's maybe the earnest side of the political satire that's been woven in throughout that we actually can get along in our polarized nation. Or is that reading too much into it? No, I think that's exactly I think that's exactly right. But I think but I think the show, rather than being primarily a show of political satire, which it does through these these personal relationships, yes. I think is primarily a show about people 
which also expresses some some underlying ideas about how you make good policy, which is partly about how you learn to to take care of each other as a community. I think we have a failed following the spouse for a job story from Marianne in Borham Hill. Marianne, hi. Marianne, you there? Uh, well, I think we also have one from Steve in Manhattan. Steve, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. Love your show. Um, so in, in 2004, I was the sales manager of BMW Manhattan Motorcycles in Manhattan. I loved it. And my wife uh, was working at Hunter, and she had to leave that job. And she got an opportunity to work in Los Angeles. And uh, I really didn't want to leave. I had my dream job. We were living in Manhattan. But the good spouse that I am quit the job, said it's life's an adventure, uh, gave it a real good shot, living in Venice, beautiful weather, just could not uh, get used to the culture. I, I just fish out of water, right? So uh, gave it a good shot. We were there five years, and I kind of begged my wife to go back, and she she got a job, thank God, back, back east, and we're living back in uh-huh. New York City. So is there and, a lesson for other couples beyond your, your experience and how it worked for you? I'm sorry? Is there a lesson in your experience for other couples, a general principle there? Yes. As, as a male, uh, what they called me was a trailing spouse. Um, yes, there is a lesson. Before you make the leap, make sure you have a job that you love huh. in the new city. Thank you. Adrian, how close to that would you come? at the Muse advising your clients? Yes, uh, I think that's a really, really good point. I think that actually moving gives you the opportunity to explore a lot of different things. You know, when you can tell your employer, hey, I'm moving across the country, I'm going to be looking for a new job, it gives you kind of a window of job searching opportunity that you don't have when you are, you know, here trying to sneak out of work to go on interviews. Um, I loved what he said about, you know, life's an adventure and taking the move and and giving it a try and seeing what happens. And I love that his wife was supportive when he said, you know what, I tried it, it Mm. didn't work, and I want to go back. But try to line up that gig first for the trailing spouse. Exactly. You know, I've been intrigued by the character April, who's this millennial who isn't interested in anything, doesn't like anything, doesn't like being cheerful, doesn't like her job at the Parks Department, and has been looking to find herself this season so she can change jobs. And Adrian, what kind of process do you take people in their 20s through at the Muse if they basically have like no idea what they want to do with their work lives? That is more common than you would think. My advice is to try all kinds of things. And this doesn't just have to be at your job. It can be at your job. It can be taking on different assignments, asking to shadow somebody in a different department for a day. It can also be taking on freelance projects, volunteer projects, helping a friend, you know, build a website or plan a party or just looking for ways to try out different experiences that might be interesting to you for your career. A lot of times we get in our heads and think about, you know, what's my passion? What am I meant to do for the rest of my life? And Frankly, you mostly don't know unless you go out there and try it. Linda Holmes, next week is it after seven years of Parks and Rec. Any clues about how they're going to tie things up and send us all off to our future TV watching adventures? My only clue is that I trust them implicitly, probably as much as I've as I've trusted anybody who's who's been making a TV show. And 
Uh, it's not a show that's going to end with a dark on a dark note. I don't think uh, at all, like you know Seinfeld or something like oh, that. Oh, they've already did. wrapped up three or four happy endings, and it's not even that's the last episode. I, I, yeah, I, the only the only hint I have is that it's a show that's always had an incredibly um, sure hand with its worldview, which ultimately is going to let all these people be okay. I think. I actually thought it was too sentimental this week. And too devoid of the gentle but satirical bite that the show has had. I hope they come back with something, not nothing, for the final show. There is at least one political storyline to tie up, I think, which is Ben running for Congress, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think for people who are looking for the political side of the comedy, um, you know, perhaps they'll have a little bit more of that, you know. But I think this has always been a... I think this has always been a, an incredibly warm show in in satirical clothing. So it, none of that has surprised me. Um, my team is already thinking about what show we might adopt next in the TV club after Parks and Rec goes away. And we'd again be looking for something that's very good TV but also raises issues in its way to go with what we do on the show. One possibility might be the new um, – uh, the the show that you wrote about recently, the the series featuring an Asian American family off the boat. How much have you seen? Uh, I have seen a couple episodes of Fresh Off the Boat. I know that um, I know that uh, a lot of people that I follow closely um, are fans of it. I am a couple episodes behind. I re- I liked it. Um, I also asked you briefly last week if you thought Amy Poehler might wind up as the new host of The Daily Show. Any new developments on that front, the post John Stewart world front in general? Oh, gosh, I don't think so. I mean, I think we've had a couple people who have, um, you know, sort of taken themselves out of any speculation. They renewed John Oliver's show at HBO. Um, not that I, not that I ever thought he was going to leave that gig. But uh, yeah, and that was then- that was awkward timing. Right. If he um, had not gotten that just now, maybe he would have been the host in waiting. Yeah, maybe it's possible, but I don't think anybody can really say that that's something that hasn't worked out well for anyone. They will find somebody to do this job. Um, one of their best young correspondents, Jessica Williams, also sort of said this week, not doing it, not ready. I think a lot of people who uh, mentioned her were ne- not necessarily aware she was 25. So very young. And, and she sort of took herself out of it this week, too. Last thing. Let me touch another TV thing from this week while you're here, a show that also had Amy Poehler in it. Did you watch the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary show? I sure did. Let me say, a few things struck me about it. One was how it had something for basically every generation. Plenty for the baby boomers who may have drifted away after the John Belushi, Gilda Radner era. And then even though that show has had some real creative droughts, it was really on display how it has kept coming back and coming back politically and comedically at different times. What were some of your, in our last 30 seconds, thoughts watching it? Uh, I've I enjoyed a lot of parts of it. For me... Um, what that show mostly did was make me want to watch more of the things that you only saw a second or two of. It did remind mm. me of just how much uh, high-quality stuff they've done on Saturday Night Live over those 40 years. But, you know, for me, I, I would always rather see longer bits. I, I, loved their, uh, I loved their Weekend Update montage. I think that's my favorite part. And I was also struck at how much they made fun of their own lack of diversity on the cast over the years, which said to me, either they're actually sensitive to the issue or maybe they so don't care about diversity as a value that they just milk the criticism of them for laughs because that's all it means to them. Yeah, I thought that was um, 
an unfortunate way for them to approach it. I think they made light of it in a way. I mean, you can always make light of it, but I think they made light of it in an unfortunate way. Linda Holmes, see your NPR TV criticism at NPR Monkey C. Talk to you next week as the Brian Lehrer TV Club on Parks and Rec ends with the finale of that series. And Adrian Granzella Larson, editor-in-chief of The Muse, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me.